Welcome to the Luminous Podcast, helping you follow the simple yet profound call of Jesus to go and make disciples. Hello everyone, this is Nick from the Luminous Podcast. We've got a great episode lined up for you today. We're looking at some practical ways people wanting to bring Jesus to others can live their faith out loud in a way that persons of peace can find us. And we cover topics like two crucial perspective shifts necessary for disciple making, tools for effective prayer like prayer walking and prayer mapping, and probably the seven most powerful words a disciple maker can learn. It was a great conversation, but it was also a long conversation, which we've divided into two parts. So today is the first part on our discussion on finding persons of peace. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Luminous Podcast. My name is Jamie, and I'm here with Danny Stebeck. Hello, everybody. And Nicholas Osborne. Hello, everyone. And as we usually do, we uh, open up by talking about um, how our listenership has grown. But before we get into that, I, we made a grave error. Um, a few weeks ago, we talked about giving um, Melissa a shout out on the um, podcast. And so I went up to her and I said, hey, we gave you a, a shout out on our podcast. And her husband, standing next to her, said, I was right there listening to the whole thing too. So... Shout out to Erwin, who was listening maybe even before Melissa. But what's even more exciting is that we actually, there are people that are listening to our podcast that we don't even know. And I have proof because we have two reviews from, on Apple. Um, let me, excellent. Yeah, we've really made it. Yeah. So um, high five to our two um, online listeners who left us a review. If you want to leave us a review too, hey, maybe you'll get a shout out. But we have uh, Jeriff2000s gave us five out of five stars. We give you five out of five stars too, Jeriff2000s. He said, or she said, great podcast, practical insight into the concept and practice of discipleship. Jamie does a good job of hosting and facilitating Yay, the discussion. Wow, that's so nice. Pastors Danny and Nick give very helpful and much needed perspective and instruction on this topic. Keep up the good work. Awesome. All right. All right. Thank you, Jeriff 2000s. Yeah, and then we have the Bible Reader 123, who also gave us five out of five stars and said, thoughtful guidance and very practical, useful advice for day-to-day -day life on how to be a disciple of Jesus and how to make disciples. So... Great. I don't know. All right. Just can just things get better? Well, I just want to say it was it was really hard for me to make two accounts <laughs> on the same day. I was going right. to say, Danny, how much the did you have to pay them? Yeah, the creativity yeah. of Nick to come up with those titles too. Uh, the Bible reader one two three. Yeah. Is that the hundred twenty third Bible reader who signed on, or or is that just uh, I don't know that Bible reader one two three? I, I kind of need to know. Yeah. How you came up with that name. Maybe we know these people. Actually. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, if you want to give us a also a review on um, Apple Podcasts, uh, that'd be fantastic. We'd really appreciate it. Um, but today we have lots to talk about. Who wants to tell us? Nick, what are we talking about today? Yeah. Uh, f well, for the last six podcasts, um, it was meant to be three, but it turned out to be six podcasts. Um, we went through Luke chapter 10. And we are looking at the posture and the practice and the authority of a disciple maker. And one of the key concepts that came up in our discussion was the person of peace. 
So let me ask you guys, what do you remember about the person of peace? That is the person who is willing to listen. The person who's willing to listen, who wants to listen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess it would be, from what I remember, is that it's the person who um, is just naturally turning towards God without any work on your own part. Even someone who's just, who's interested. And also somebody who will open up their home and their um, neighborhood and their people group to you yeah. and invite you into their group instead of you trying to work your way into theirs. Yeah, yeah. I think, too, there, there's this idea that they not only just welcome you, but they see you as God's ambassador that there's a sense where they they recognize you as not just some person who's got some idea, but there's a sense that God is working in you and speaking through you, and they're leaning into that. Yeah. 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 And people are just hungry. You can just sense that there's this hunger from God in them that came must have come from God. That, yeah. That they're hungry to know more. And and it's someone that, that God has prepared beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not something that we... We don't make a person of peace by being winsome or eloquent with our words. Someone that God has prepared and just as our paths intersect, as we live our faith out loud, they're like, tell me more about that. And so the word that I use that you guys corrected me on in this day and age was I said they were super spreaders. Yeah. I don't remember um, correcting you, but I would again. Yeah. yeah. We do remember thinking you might want to find a different word. Yes. Yeah. But by super spreaders, I mean they're people who when when they lean in, they want to bring you into their group. Like they, 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 they want to bring, they just don't want to hear it from themselves. They want everyone else that they know to hear it as, as well. And we talked about how someone can, can come to faith and not be a person of peace because the person of peace is that person who opens up their, their home, their group to you. Um, someone can really like you and, and not be a person of peace. Um, we can invest time in people uh, they receive the gospel, but they may not be a person of peace because like we saw in scripture with Lydia and the Philippian jailer that they open up their, well, Jamie, I know you're going to correct me. I know you've been practicing. They open up their oikos. That's to right. You. That is how you say it. Um, I'm sorry, Greek listeners. Uh, I think one of us was pronouncing this word wrong in previous podcasts, but we now know it is pronounced oikos. Yes. Oikos, not oikos. And the last thing we talked about was that not all persons of peace are well-respected people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Danny, you gave the example of Matthew, the, the tax collector, who was clearly a person of peace because as soon as he decided to follow Jesus and, and was interacting with Jesus, he said, I'm throwing a party. I want you to come and meet all my friends. And uh, we talked about that. And we talked about, Jamie, our, our, our trainer in disciple-making ministry, Derek and his first person of peace was a drug dealer. Um, so, so yeah, they're not not all persons of peace are like respectable members of community, uh, but they are people whom God has prepared to listen to and receive His message. Can you guys think of a person of peace that you have encountered recently? While you're thinking, I can go first. So, um, we have a swing dance um, community that's happening over um, at our Steveston Hub. And the leader of this swing dancing community, I would say she's a person of peace because she keeps opening up the doors for us. She keeps on promoting our church. She keeps on sending people to us. She's really making headway for us on our behalf. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of a person recently. Um, I can't think of someone recently. The people that I have been talking to recently are and who are leaning in have not opened up their, their friend group 
to to me or to to the message yet. And so, like we talked about, that would still be someone we invest in, of course, because everyone who wants to hear deserves the investment. Um, but I can't actually think of a person of peace in the last little while. How about you, Danny? Yeah, I can think of numerous times where I was talking to people and they were really open to having this conversation go beyond themselves into everyone that they had. And so in that sense, they were influential to to help as I shared with them. They were wanting that to be spread out amongst their friends. Um, I think probably the craziest time was when I was working in North Delta, right beside Burns U Junior School, used to be junior high. And um, there'd be a few guys there standing around having their smoking, having their cigarettes during the break and they'd come on our church property and I would just chat with them and they would bring all their friends. And next thing you know, there'd be like 40 people standing there all and they'd be asking me questions about God, about this, about that. And there'd be like 40 of them all standing around and they'd be throwing questions at me. And um, that was a very dramatic time where I realized, wow, these guys are not hinder, not inhibited at all. Um, they don't want to just learn themselves. They want everyone in their group to hear these stories too. Wow, that's a great example. That's amazing. That's really, yeah, that's great. That's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, so um, next logical question, I guess, for us and our listeners is how do you go about finding a person of peace? Yeah, and that's a great question. And that's sort of some of, the, some of what we'll be talking about today. Because a person of peace is prepared beforehand by God, uh, we can't guess who that person is ahead of time. Like we, we have to simply go out sharing the good news through our presence, through our uh, proclamation, through the, the power of the gospel. And, uh, and as, we, as we live that out loud and, sh- and share that out loud, uh, a person of peace will reveal themselves by their response. And so one of the perspective shifts that really struck me uh, in our training, Jamie, I don't know if you remember Derek saying this, was he said, what would it be like if we assumed every person was a person of peace until they prove they're not? And how would that change the way we we live out our faith um, if, if we assumed that everyone around us was going to be that person of peace? I think... It would take away a lot of the fear that a lot of us experience about um, talking to, about God to other people. And I, just, I think we'd be a lot more bold. If we knew that everybody was going to respond positively, I think we'd be a lot bolder in uh, just inviting people and talking to people. Yeah, I think it's a better way to live because I think it's yeah. a positive way to live. Like you should be, you know, you're so excited. It's like somebody who's been, I don't know, you know, they've been uh, cured by some natural product and and it changed their life, they would go around assuming that everybody else wanted to hear about it. Um, and you've met those people, haven't you? Right. If they tried to sell you or get you roped into their deal, they're so passionate that they just assume you would want to hear about it too. And I think that's a better way to live is to is to assume that the people you meet would would be thrilled right. to have you in. We, we would probably um, filter less. Like we talked before about how our natural tendency is when, when we're around people who, who are not churchgoers, who are far from God, is we, we filter our conversation. And it's good to filter our conversation for like, you know, the, the quote unquote Christianese, like the Christian words, of course. But we don't need to filter God and our relationship with God from, from our conversation. And I think if we assumed, I, for me, if I, if I assumed that every person was a person of peace, I'd probably be more inclined 
to just mention the more authentically mention just the things that I'm experiencing with God in my day-to-day life. Um, And I would probably filter that out less. Yeah. Yeah. I like how he mentions, though, that assume everyone's a person of peace until they prove they are not, because there's definitely people um, that prove that they are not persons of peace and they're absolutely not interested. And I think that door is shut and that that needs to be respected. Totally. Yeah. 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 Testing the waters a little bit, not being... Um, you know, 30 minutes in before you finally clue in, they're not really interested. Yeah. Uh, I think in the first couple of minutes, you could probably test that yeah. that, that theory out and decide, oh, okay, I'm barking up the wrong tree yeah. here. Let's and we'll talk away. about that in a little bit, yeah. just about that test, testing the waters. Yeah. Um, but maybe before we get into our discussion of how to find a person of peace, let's just read uh, a couple of uh, passages from, from the Bible. Um, and we'll like, we'll just... See, what does scripture, like how does scripture suggest we, we discover persons of peace? So I wrote down here, uh, I wrote them out three Bible passages, and maybe we can each read one. And so, Jamie, can you read, uh, this one comes from John, Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 to 4 and 14 to 16. And again, we're listening for the question, how does scripture suggest we discover persons of peace? Okay. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Great. Okay, we're just going to go straight to the next one, so maybe... Danny, can you read uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 23? Absolutely. It says there, The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we be keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, Go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And then he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Excellent. Thank you. And then I'm going to read uh, Acts chapter 18, verses 9 to 11. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. Okay, so based on those three passages we just read, and and you can even include uh, the Luke chapter 10 passage that we looked at over the last few episodes, um, how does 
scripture suggests that we discover persons of peace. Well, I'm thinking, I'll speak from the one I was reading. I think from Luke 7, John sends his disciples out and they inquire. Um, so I think they went looking, um, asking questions, testing. Okay, yeah. In in my passage, the what God told Paul was, don't be afraid, speak out, and don't be silent. So telling him to speak. How about you, Jamie? Yeah, I think that in mine, it sounds like um, people recognize the voice of Jesus even, yeah, if they don't technically belong to his flock, they are his flock, or they will become his flock. Right. And so, like, his sheep recognize his voice. Yeah. yeah. And so, I, I think the principle here that we, the, the biggest principle that comes from these passages and the Luke 10 is the, the, the best way to find a person of peace is to make it easy for the persons of peace to find us. Yeah. Because it's not simply us looking for a person of peace. God has already prepared them and so they are looking too. And so another big perspective shift for us is rather than us um, thinking and worrying and struggling, how am I going to find a person of peace? Instead, our focus should be on making ourselves and our faith visible in an attractive way and persons of peace will find us. That's the biggest role or job or that we have is not to go out looking for them. I mean, we are looking for them, but the way we find them is by living our faith out loud. And God has prepared them. They hear, they recognize his voice. They lean in. What do you think? Like a light not being hidden. Yes. Like a light shining on a hill that's pretty easy to spot. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good analogy. Sounds biblical. Yeah. Like a fly being drawn to the light. <laughs> oh, wait, maybe not. <laughs> moth to the that's flame. A, no, that no, the moth to the flame. No. They yeah. end up dying. So that's not a good <laughs> Like a moth. The, it's a moth to the flame. Right. <laughs> okay, so how can we do that? How do we make ourselves visible to persons of peace in a way, especially uh, in today's day and age, in a way that's appealing and not offensive? Um, I, I have some thoughts about that. I know yeah. Danny has some thoughts about that, but... I, I'm thinking of... I, I'm just reminded of a... Of a gentleman once that was in my church and he was always praying and he would lead out in prayers in the middle of our service he would just full of passion and he would be god wants to heal the sick and he wants to restore the lame you know and set the eyes of the blind free and he would go on about kind of like we just read about john and that's what god wants and he was kind of crying out like come on church get your act together and uh, I remember I took him aside and I said, listen, it, it sounds like you're beating us up a little bit. It, it does sound a little bit like we're not doing good enough and you're praying that we would smarten up and get better. And I said, but it sounds negative. It comes across critical. I said, I'll tell you what, how about you stop praying out loud and you just ask God to help you to be able to lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed and the blind will see. And then everybody will rush to you and want to know, what is it that God's doing in your life, right? It's so much better if you just do it. Yeah. Just go do just go set people free. Just go pray and let people get healed and they'll come running to you. Yeah. You know, rather than yelling at us all the time. And and yeah. I feel like that's a little bit what you're getting at here is uh this idea is let's just live it out and make it obvious to people, a genuine faith that's worked at work in our life. Totally. Yeah. And and I and I think it it sounds, it just, it just, 
sounds so much better. Like, I, I, it just, it makes me go, oh, okay. Like, I can just focus on living my faith out loud. You know, it's it's not about, like, doing this or doing that. If if God is preparing people beforehand and I'm trusting that he's doing that, then then if I live my faith, if I be, be that light on the hill, then the people whom he is at work in will come. Like will intersect, and so so some of the so I think that leads us to some really important things about how we can how we can live our faith in a way that's appealing rather than offensive. Like we already dealt with some of this in previous episodes when we talked about people who begin uh, interactions with blessing mm-hmm. rather than with judgment. Um, we're there. We are there for the flourishing of others. And the beautiful thing is in that in the process of being there for the flourishing of others, we we discover that being a blessing to others causes us to flourish as well. Mm -hmm. And it transforms us. But there are some other practical things that that we can remember and we can do. And and the, the first thing I can think of is this idea of proximity and prayer. In other words, finding ways to increase our proximity to and prayer for people who are far from God. And so this idea of incarnational presence, of, of moving, like how Jesus sort of moved into the neighborhood, right? I, you know, God moved into the neighborhood in the person of Jesus and how we also are to move into the, the neighborhood in the sense of we won't, like we'll never find a person of peace if we're not around lost people. Like, if we're not around people who are far from God, we'll never find a person of peace. And even if we are around people far from God, we're not going to find a person of peace if we're not praying. I mean, that's one of the things that, like, the, the one of the most important things we do is we, we begin with prayer. We talked about that in previous episodes as, as well. And so, like, for example, with prayer, I don't just mean sitting on, like, I don't just mean, like, sitting on our couch and praying, although that's great and fine. There's also things like prayer walking, uh, prayer mapping, group prayer, even fasting. And so I know, Jamie, you have taught your students this. Maybe you can just explain for a second, what is prayer mapping? Yeah, so in prayer mapping, you essentially start with you and your house. So you will um, take a piece of paper, draw your house in the middle of it, and then draw in your neighborhood map around you. And so you write down as much information as you know about your neighbors around you. So for instance, you might just say um, couple with the dog, or you might say Bob and Sue live next door, Bob's struggling with um, alcoholism or whatever, things like that. Um, And um, just begin using that as a tactile way to begin praying for your neighbors and asking for God to um, open up more um, relationship and um, help help you be able to enter in. And we have found um, in, we've been doing that for a while, and we found um, in strange ways, we've been able to uh, meet our neighbors and uh, pray for them. Who were, they were, remember that those neighbors that were living next to us and they had a heart attack and they were just like oh, yeah. leaning on you yeah. and it just came out of the blue, but it's because we made ourselves available and had been praying for them. Yeah, yeah we have yeah. another set of neighbors that we've been praying for for quite some time. And for some reason, we just can't, they just don't like us. And they don't, even their dog doesn't like us. <laughs> I don't, I just don't get it. Yeah. But man, they're getting a lot of prayer. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, a, a prayer, prayer mapping just has a way of helping us stay informed about the people around us, the people we're in relationship with. 
Um, and yeah, it does help us. Like it gives us some guidance in, in how we're praying and who we're praying for. Um, it makes it very practical. Danny, maybe you can talk about, uh, prayer walking for a second. Like what, what, like we've done it. Um, how, how would you explain that to our listeners? What prayer walking is? Yeah, I, I, um, prayer walking is just walking and praying with your eyes open, obviously. Um, but it's praying as you're attuned to what you see going around you. So similar to, I think, the mapping idea is these exercises help you to uh, tune in. They help you to to focus in and begin to discern things that you normally didn't see. When you're prayer walking, um, you're looking differently than just normal walking where, you you know, window shopping catches your eye or something. In this case, you're you're walking around thinking about where what does God want me to pray about? And as you do, you're, it's amazing how you see somebody and, and and the hurts start to get you drawn to the sense of hurt that you see there um, or the difficulties or you see a homeless person and you realize, you know, instead of just trying to avoid them, but you're, you're, you're looking and going, man, there's a lot of hurting people around and you're just praying for that person. So prayer walking is, is just a great way to get your eyes open and, le- and God gives you a chance to lead you into ways of praying that you didn't envision when you were just sitting on your couch in your living room. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great way of look, looking at that. I, I heard one person explain it as prayer walking is is praying on site with insight. Mm, um, this this, this on site with insight. Yeah, being on site with insight. So for us, instead of praying for our village from our from our couch or whatever, we're walking through our village and praying, like you said. And as we pass people and things, it just reminds us to pray. And also, we get a sense of God's heart for for mm. this place as well. I think both of those tools um, just help you to focus your prayer and help you to just um, remind you to be more intentional, even if it's um, just for a 30-day kind of thing that you do. Yeah. 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 And and so and during the the in-person luminous training, we, we go over some of these tools in more detail. We have handouts and stuff like how to prayer walk and how to prayer map a neighborhood. But the but the bottom line is, as we have said in previous episodes and say again, prayer changes things mm-hmm. like prayer shifts the atmosphere it can it can like move mountains um it prayer changes us who are praying it changes the spiritual atmosphere you know of the place we're praying for and it changes the circumstances we face um and and i think and i've i've done this before but i think me (laughs) okay it's always i don't know where he's going but he's got something he's percolating on something (laughs) Well, it's because it's something so simple, but it, it makes us so nervous and hard to do. But here's here's my encouragement for us and for, for you, listener. I think seven of the most powerful words you can say that will draw out a person of peace is, can I pray for you right now? And I'm not talking about walking up to a stranger and just like, mm. you know, saying, hey, can I pray for you right now? But I, I But it would be like... You know, if you're talking with someone, a friend, a neighbor or whatever, and they're sharing a struggle, they're sharing something that's going on at home or at their work or like a family member who's sick. Often as a follower of Jesus, we might say, oh, I'll be sure to pray for you. I'll, you know, meaning I'll go home and I'll pray for you. But what would it be like if someone was sharing with us something that was something of a burden or a struggle or whatever? And you just ended that by saying, would you mind? Can, can I pray for you right now? And. You know, if it's an appropriate time, like obviously if, if you're in line at a supermarket or something, that might not work. But like if it's an appropriate time to do so, I've I've honestly never had a person say no 
to that. Mm-hmm. They've he, always he seen says this. that because listener, I have been with him on numerous occasions where he's talking to strangers. They start pouring out their heart, and he says, "Listen, can I pray for you right now?" And it's usually when we're out walking around in Steveston. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. We challenged our church to that a couple of years back where yeah. we had uh, this little thing we were challenging people to, and one of them was pray. Just find opportunities and just pray right then, right on the spot. And uh, it has transformed many people and numerous testimonies coming back of people who had said it worked. You know, they were willing. And I found the same thing. I It's increased my boldness to go at the supermarket and see somebody right in the middle of the soup can aisle. And we get chatting and I say, you know, can I pray just right now real briefly about that? And yeah, you're right. They almost always say, sure. And I don't make it awkward. I don't make it weird. I keep my eyes open. I look straight at them and I just say, Lord, this is my friend. And I just I just bring this to you right now and ask that you would undertake for this need. Yeah. Um, and, and real simple, I don't even close my eyes. I just look at them and I smile and I say, amen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they usually say thank you after. Right? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I just feel like the holdup is us. We're just so afraid. But it's... I feel like when you ask people, you you're, you get surprised by how many people would just be like, it, it's like they've been waiting their whole life for somebody to ask, yes. can I pray for you? Yes, yes. Yeah. And and it's, it's, it's a way that draws out that person of peace. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so there you go, listener. That's that's our invitation to you maybe is, is sometime this week, at some point in some conversation, say those words, can I pray for you right now to a person who's not a follower of Jesus? And we'd really love it. I'd love to be able to hear listeners' stories. Is yeah. there, do we have a way where they could record or let us know that somebody has tried this? Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of of uh, John and walking to the temple and the Peter and John and there was a guy saying, "Hey, I really need some money, silver, gold, something." And they kind of did that. They looked at him and said, "Hey, I, I can't really help you with any money, but do you mind if I pray for you?" Yeah, and they. Right now, yeah, and uh, yeah. they just said in the name of Jesus Christ, yeah. rise up and walk, and they had yeah. bold faith, and he jumped up. What a transformation! Totally, yeah. And I, I, I think it would be nice if we let a little faith and boldness rise up to believe, not just for a cute prayer that makes them feel good about themselves, but actually God to undertake, yes, and and bring deliverance and, and meet the need. That goes back to what we talked about last time: the power of the gospel. That's right, authority. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm still thinking from a few times ago when it was "Shalom be upon you." I still think about that, and I actually say that all the time now when I walk into a place. And but just imagine if the guy was at you know outside of you know Seven Eleven or something asking for money, and you're like, "Sorry, I don't have any cash," but "Shalom be upon you." Anyway. It's a new superhero. Shazam is gone. It's Shalom. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, now, I know there's some other other tools we can pass on. I know you got some, Danny, but just before uh, we get to you, one just one more way that we can increase our proximity and prayer uh, um, for people who are around people who are far from God is this thing called an access ministry. So an access ministry is something that kind of draws draws us closer to the community and draws attention to Jesus without being churchy. Like it's a place where faith and unfaith can intersect. And the best access ministries are, are ones that are very lightweight and very inexpensive to run. So for example, at the church here, uh, Danny, like there's a group that of moms who they just have a playtime at the park. Mm-hmm. Right. It's very lightweight. 
uh, inexpensive, easy to do, easy to like for another person to replicate. But like when we're, you know, when we first started the hub, Jamie, one of the things that, that we did was open open mic nights, which were great, but it took a lot of investment and energy and people to like yeah. to make those things happen in order to create these access points. So you have this playtime in the park, which is creating um, an access point like a, where faith and unfaith can intersect. And we have the the open night open mic nights. Um, it's much like they're both great things, but it's much easier to kind of reproduce the, the playtime in the park. Someone could say, oh, I want to do that in my neighborhood. It'd be hard for a person to say, oh, I'm going to hope, you know, do a organize an open night, open <laughs> mic night in in my neighborhood. So does that is an just to clarify is an access ministry like some church led organized thing? No, because not necessarily. Like, could it just be you know a mom, a young mom goes to the park and intentionally goes there, knowing that she's carrying the light of Christ within her, and intentionally reaching out to the moms that she meets? Exactly. And so it's yeah. not really like an organized ministry. I I would say it sounds to me like the best way to do it is if you wherever you are in your um, in your spheres of influence, just go there. And shining your the light, living your faith out loud. Yes. So yeah, you? yeah. No, I, I did not mean to imply that a ministry thing has to be a church-run, church-organized thing. It can just be that mom, or even better, the maybe two moms who decide together to to do that, um, like as a small group of people who say, "This is what we're going to do in in a, in a way to be light around people, to to have faith and unfaith intersect." I, th- I think one of the keys in access point ministries is identifying a need that's not you have, but identifying a need someone else has and then leaning into that need. So creating the ministry that meets that need. So if there's a you know group of people in your community, like like you mentioned the mom's thing where the, the playtime at the park, there's a need there. People want to connect and they want to have community. They don't know where to go. And then you find you create the solution and they lean into it. I think of uh, how many people are doing conversational English classes for new Canadians who are coming in. They need to speak English and and it's simple. We just get together and we could talk English and that's a fairly easy put together place, but it puts you in the proximity Mm -hmm. and gives you the opportunity to have discussion, but you're actually leaning into their needs, which I think is the key. And and it makes people notice, notice you and say, why are you here? Like why are you doing that? And and a a big and important part of this access ministry mindset is be prepared to answer that question. Like when they say, why are you doing this? Or, or why are you here? Um, you got, we got to have a, a response. Like, yeah. like, hi, I'm here to pronounce shalom over you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, or, you're right. It's, we have, that's the tricky part when it gets into the conversation is thinking about how we do that. Yes. So, so I know for us, like at, uh, in, in Steveson at our place, Jamie, uh, at the hub, what we like, we're we are there to bring to be the light of Christ in our village. When people ask us, "Why are you here?" We say, "We're here for the flourishing of Stevenson." That's how we answer the question. We're here for the flourishing of Stevenson, and that usually draws people into further conversation. And often they say, "Oh, that's great! I, I, I love that idea. I love that image." Maybe that segues nicely into what I want to share yeah. about, which is share the good news. Yes. Tell us so, more. Access Point Ministries, one of the tools we can use. But as we go along, we need to learn to share the good news. And and I say that because Access Point Ministries creates an opportunity for you to share the good news. But we that, that transition needs to be done carefully. Sharing the good news should never be a, a rote message like a 
uh, just a, I have this thing that I've learned how to say, mm-hmm. um, John three sixteen, or, or just some kind of practiced evangelistic uh, pitch the that tracks. you make, the tract, the tracks. verbal tract, right? Yeah. Um, and and sometimes if a person says, why are you doing this? And you're in Access Point Ministries, you created that proximity, you're there. And then they say, why? Now you have this opportunity to share the gospel message and it shouldn't flow out of, well, because Jesus told us in John chapter, you know, and you start quoting the scriptures, sharing the good news should be very natural. It should be, uh, flowing out of the lifestyle that you are living out. And that's exactly, uh, as you'd mentioned, we're here for the flourishing of Stevenson. and uh, it should be because I care about people because I see a need and I have something I can do about it. And you can segue that into, I learned as a follower of Jesus that it's important to be attentive to the needs of other people. And so that's what drives me. And um, my life was transformed by what Jesus had done for me. And it transforms now the way I look at other people. So we can begin to transition into sharing the good news with people, which is how God has done something in your life and why it's now being brought forward in this way to them. So we're out there. We're living the gospel. We're living a transformed life. Uh, We don't bring flourishing to others and proclaim it for them when we don't have it ourselves. Right. We we practice flourishing. We live the flourishing life. And then we're able to share that naturally with other people. So that way we avoid being manipulative. Uh, we avoid being secretive and you know, pouncing the moment they create that open door. and We pounce on them. Right. The it, old it, bait and switch. The old bait and yeah. switch. Yeah. It, it, this is uh, it should be sharing the good news should be something that just flows so naturally from your life that you're just sharing your life with them. And the good news is the communication of how you're doing that. Yeah. And so, so you're not like, you're not gunning for a conversion. No. You're, you're there simply to be openly honest with faith and, and compassion, um, the compassion of Christ. And that will naturally generate conversation and provide those opportunities to to answer the question, why are you, you know, why are you here? What are you doing? What are you yeah. doing this? So you think of that guy that's uh, fundraising and he's got the ID tag and he knocks on your door and he's certified fundraiser for a certain group, Children's Hospital or something, good cause, but they have such a clear agenda. I'm here to get you to make a donation to this event. And that's my purpose. I have no other reason for even having this conversation with you. And that's how too often sharing the good news look like for us. Mm-hmm is I'm here to share the good news. I need to know, are you in, are you out? Um, right, we move yeah. on. Are As you com- a waste of my time? Yeah. Are you going to listen to me? That's yeah. right. What a waste of time, right? You know, the guy didn't even care. Um, we don't want that approach. We want to have a sharing of the good news that is just so natural. Um, it's, as, is it, it's as natural as someone sharing the excitement of a new baby they just had. And they can't wait to tell somebody about the new baby they had. There's no agenda other than I'm overflowing with joy. Yeah. Yeah. And so in, in these places, we want people to, to feel, to see, to hear the good news of Christ through, through our life and through our words and through like the presence, power, proclamation of the kingdom of God. And so maybe like we, I've used, I've used those terms a few times now. Uh, we've used them in previous podcasts too, presence, power, proclamation. Maybe we can just have a short discussion uh, on on what are some examples of being God's ambassadors in these areas or being this 
point of access uh, in, in these areas. So, for example, with, with the presence of the gospel, what would it look like to be God's ambassador who uses the presence of the gospel as a way to uh, ex- expose their faith? Yeah, I say the first thing that comes to mind would be to not avoid the suffering of others and to actually come alongside people and enter into it with them and help them help them carry that. But whether it's um, just meeting practical needs or just whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that's really powerful. The idea of sharing in a person's suffering, because often I think when it, when a person's suffering, we want to come in and say, "What can I do so you'll be better?" Yeah, we'll solve it. Yeah. You're making me uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Your discomfort and sadness is making me feel uncomfortable, so I want to help you get better so I don't feel bad anymore. But what would it be like to come into a person's place of suffering and just sit with them, like be present with them in that brokenness and say, you know, I'm not here to to do anything unless you want me to do something. I'm just here to, to be with you and, and to uh, um, almost like stand vigil with you in this point of brokenness. This may be difficult for people who struggle with intimacy. Um, uh, I know that generally speaking, a lot of guys struggle with intimacy. And so it's hard for them to just share in someone's experience. Um, They, you know, typically we tend to want to fix everything and it's difficult to just be in someone's presence and just be with them. So this Mm -hmm. might be a real challenge, the presence part um, for some people. but I think too, for me, it's just being genuine with my neighbors, uh, being observant uh, and seeing what they're going through and being able to to just share life with them. How are you doing? Or can I help you with that? Um, so having compassion, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't have compassion with someone if you're not there in the midst of it with them, right? Like with your neighbors yeah. in the sense, like you wouldn't know how to help your neighbors if you weren't present to them. Yeah. And just paying attention. My neighbor lost like 30 pounds. And, and just being able to say, man, you've lost a lot of weight, so what's going on there? And him sharing the journey he's been on. And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't been paying attention. You, you've yeah. got to just be totally. present enough to be able to notice. There, there's, <laughs> there's a guy that uh, I, I do my grocery shopping for our family at the same time every, every, every week. Yes. And there's another guy who does his grocery shopping at the same time every week. And we've been bumping into each other now for probably, what, four or five years yeah. or so. Um, and uh, I, you just saying that remind me because I bumped into him two weeks ago and I was like, have you lost weight? You, you, look, you look a lot. And he's like, yeah, I've lost 60 pounds. And we, so we had a whole conversation about like how he's going to this healthy lifestyle. And he's like, how's the church? He's not a follower of Jesus, but he knows I'm a pastor. And so... So sometimes he'll ask, ask those Yeah, but see so. how, how your interest in him was reciprocated by his interest in you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah. Right? But that's such a great example. And I know you've had other conversations with this guy about deeper. He's been, he knew you were a pastor and you were just being yourself. But then he just, next time you saw him, I remember you're like, yeah, then he started asking me all these questions about God. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've had a couple, like in the, in the middle of the produce aisle, yeah. we're having this deep conversation about theology. And but I think that's exactly Jesus. the point. That's the point. If you're living yes. your faith out loud, then you attract the people of peace because yeah. they're hungry. So you got presence, power, and proclamation. Yes. And, and, yeah. I, and, and everything within me wants to move past presence as fast as we can. Okay. So we can yeah. talk about the good stuff like power, All right. proclamation. Ooh, All right. But so. man, we've just been reminding ourselves with these two little stories of how important presence is yes. and how we must not walk 
too quickly past the key yeah. of presence. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good way to say yeah. it. Just yeah. not walk too quickly past. Yeah, yeah. and so and I think I think presence is basically like is living with our eyes open and and being observant and and taking note and 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 mentioning those things to people. Like when we see something, to say, yeah, you've lost weight, or oh, you seem low down today, or or whatever. Just like having letting people know that that we notice them yeah. that's that's what presence yeah. brings i don't want to bring the bible into this but if i if i could i'll bring a bible scripture into this oh, I mean, you are a christian Wait, i was thinking of a romance a movie but maybe a scripture is better so uh i'm thinking of philip when he's he's going out right he's going out and he's he's looking to share bring jesus to others and the lord sends him to a certain road and he's just being sensitive to where he wants to walk and i'm sure he's prayer walking lord mm. here i am and he's just noticing and he notices a guy reading from the book of Isaiah and and he goes hey look at that guy he's reading the, he's reading Isaiah and he just wanders over hey so what are you reading there I, what an amazing story that makes it into the bible and probably had a significant impact on not only Philip's ministry but i'm sure others knew the story of how that impacted maybe all of Ethiopia or something yeah. uh, of where he went because presence started yeah. with just being led by the spirit in being around. Yeah. But what if we did that? What if we walked into places and just said, okay, God, show me what I need to see if there's anything to see, yeah. right? And then that, like, that is a way of bringing God's presence as well, like being prayerful in, in the spaces that you walk into. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that before, Jamie, with our church about walking into a place, whether it's it's a store or a house or something, and just, just praying, mentioning to God, here I am. Mm-hmm. Here I am. <laughs> yeah. I am here and I'm ready for whatever may may you know may come up. Which so. is also scary because then you know if you pray that kind of prayer, then God might use you. And yeah. it might get messy and uh yeah. Totally. Right? Yeah. yeah. So be warned. Okay. So uh, that was a much longer topic of presence than I expected. That is which my is husband great. veering me onto the topic again. <laughs> uh Let's move on to power. Huh. What I, I read today uh, that all the toilets in the police station have been stolen. What? Yeah, officers are looking into it, but at the moment they have nothing to go on. <laughs> That's so good. That's... At least you laugh at your own jokes. <laughs> like you said, make yourselves attractive in her face. No, you didn't say make yourself attractive. You said, okay, sorry, cut this. I'm sorry.